Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. We did something fun with this week's movie. We always do something fun with our movies. It's true, because we're We're fun. We're fun. But also, we did something even more fun than usual. Uh Uh-huh. Because while we watched Waxwork from 1988, we had your sisters here and we were all playing movie bingo. Movie bingo? How does that work? (laughs) It's, it's very simple, really. This is not something we invented. We were taught how to do this by uh, my cousin, I believe. But it's very simple. You pick a movie no one has seen. You make a bingo board, five by five, with a free space in the center. And you watch the first ten minutes of the movie. Then you pause, and you fill in your bingo board with things that you think might happen during the movie. So everybody has their own unique bingo board. They're not sharing what's going on. It's secret. That's not really secret, but they're not sharing it. Yeah. Everyone creates their own board based on what they think is happening in this movie. And you don't watch the previews. You can read the description of it like on Netflix or whatever. In fact, I would recommend that. (laughs) Having done that would have helped me immensely during my movie bingo game for this movie. And then as you watch the rest of the movie, if something that you put on your bingo board happens, you cross it off and you shout to the rest of the group that this thing happened. Yeah. I mean, it's not technically it's about getting bingo, but what it's really about is going, hey, the thing I wrote happened, everybody. And they can be like, oh, that was smart of you to put that in. Yeah. Or or like something happens in the movie and you're like, no, drop it. You have to drop the (laughs) glass. I don't get it. It doesn't count unless you drop it. You know, things like that. It's a game that causes a lot of talking and shouting during the movie. So if you don't like that, don't play this game. I mean, yeah, you're not going to use it for a movie you're going to be deeply invested in it's for fun times so we played that with this movie and it was possibly the worst game of movie bingo that i have ever had in terms of what i was able to cross off things were a little bit different on my side of the couch it's true because i got double bingo i think that that's the first time that any of us have ever gotten bingo on any of the movies, even the ones that we got to cross a lot of things off on. Yep. I've never gotten bingo before, but this was double. Very impressive. Yeah. What's really fun about it is you can put down really simple things. Like I got credit for decapitation. A decapitation occurred. Sure. So hooray. But then if you put something really specific... Mm. Then you can like circle it or whatever, and everyone can be really impressed that you got that one. Like, for example, I put, after somebody dies, they appear in wax form in the exhibit. And I got that checked off, and my sister was like, circle that, that's so good. Yeah. Because it was very specific. 
On the flip side, you could write something specific like, the caretaker closes up shop and moves on to another town, and be wrong, because you were way too specific. Yeah. The thing is, specificity gives you, like, extra cred, because, ooh, impressive. Yeah. But it definitely does make it harder. Yeah. And you can be, like, as simple as you want to be. There was a a movie we watched a while ago where I was just like, there were seven different characters, (laughs) and I filled seven spots with... Character A dies, character B dies, character uh-huh. C dies. And you could also then fill seven more spots with character A lives, character B <laughs> lives. Like, there's well, that's no. That's a bad idea. No, I know. But you don't have to have any rhyme or reason to what you put on your board, is what I'm saying. Indeed. Indeed. So, having explained that game, which I now hope you all play, it's especially good for playing with Hallmark romance, holiday romance movies, because yeah. they're so predictable. Uh, I'll just say that. But now that we've explained this game, perhaps we should talk a little bit about the actual movie. What's Waxworks. fun is we've seen a bunch of movies in which they explain a game and then go on to have a movie. Right? So this could be one of those movies. <gasps> but it's not. We're talking about Waxwork 1988. Yes. This movie opens with extreme violence. <laughs> yeah, it does. As a man is lit on fire in the face and like his head is shoved in a fireplace and then he's on yeah, fire and he's just yeah. collapses back into the fireplace which totally got me thinking about the actor doing that like like it's one thing to, you know to do the whole gut get lit on fire thing but then just to put your face right in a fire pit yeah it's very scary yeah and then and someone else was like bashing in a bunch of glass and stealing a bunch of things and it was chaos. Chaos indeed. But that was just the past. In the present, we have a group of seven wacky teens that have been invited to go to the local waxwork, which didn't exist yesterday, apparently. And Yeah, it just suddenly appeared in like yeah. a suburban it, it was basically like a suburban house yeah, suddenly it was, like was a house. labeled Waxwork, and they were like, that's an odd place for a wax yeah, and museum. Then Willy Wonka popped up in front of it and was like, come on in. And he was sure dressed like Willy Wonka. Yes, he was. He was. These two college girls were totally into him. They were like, <laughs> yes. mm, especially the one girl who, you know, like the hipster girl was like, well, she mm, was into everybody. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they are invited to a special midnight trip into the waxwork and they go to it and of course like you would assume with any waxwork exhibit Mm -hmm. if you step over the rope into the exhibit you are transported to the world of whatever scene they're showing yes yes which in when i was creating my bingo board i was thinking more of like historical waxwork so i had all kinds of interesting historical events for them to show up in Mm -hmm. and none of that happened because these were in fact wax exhibits of like horror scenes which when i think about it after the fact makes perfect sense horror movie here's the thing that doesn't make sense about that later in the movie someone explains to them how the magic is working and it's that if the ritual is completed, which is someone going into the exhibit and getting killed by the exhibit, mm-hmm. then evil souls from history shall live again. The evil souls depicted in there. Evil souls from history, such as the Phantom of the Opera, 
Dracula, a werewolf, a demon baby, an alien, a mummy. I wrote Crypt Keeper. I'm not even sure which one that was. And a snake man. Yeah. All, you know, the famous historical figures that the Republicans are trying to get out of our history books. And that is <laughs> wrong. People aren't learning their history we, anymore. If you don't learn your history about the alien evil souls, you're bound to repeat it. Yeah, as soon as you step over that velvet rope. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was less history and more fiction. <laughs> yeah. There was the Marquis de Sade was in there. I don't know if anybody else was historical in that whole thing. I mean, I guess Dracula is technically a historical figure. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, so they had to they had to take these teenagers, these these twenty somethings playing early college students, mm-hmm. and in the midst of all of that, we were also dealing with a lot of college drama, like. In between the scenes where one individual person is sucked into a, a exhibit and, you know, becomes a werewolf or gets whipped by the Marquis de Sade or what have you. In between that, we're just watching this group of friends have the most drama. Yeah, they're all caught up in, in their relationships. There was a lot of them sitting on the bleachers on the side of the football field, like... Being angsty at one another. Yeah. And when they weren't out of class doing that, they were in class in Mm. their history of fascism class, I guess. It sort of seemed like Nazi training class. Yeah. The teacher was 100% a Nazi. Written on the board, it said, fascism, does it work? (laughs) And it was pretty clear what his opinion was. Yeah. I also liked how uh, when Mark showed up late to class, he assigned him a 20-page essay, (laughs) and then immediately, because Mark got sassy, immediately signed him an additional 40-page essay, both of which were due the next day. You know, like colleges do. Yeah, I mean, it's not unreasonable to expect someone to write 60 pages in a day, in in half a day. (laughs) Half a day, (laughs) Um, It was fine, though, because Mark just took it home and told the maid to do it. Yeah. So Mark was a super rich kid. Mark was a beanbag. The first scene in the movie after the horrible (laughs) burning is the classic rich people sitting at an incredibly long table, one at each end, barely able to hear each other. With a huge, like... (laughs) floral display yeah, in between that they had see. to like lean around <laughs> that was amusing uh-huh yeah. and and but instead of it being usually it's like a husband and a, and wife like an mm-hmm. estranged couple sitting you know yeah. 18 feet apart at the ends of the table instead it was mark and his mother and mark who is a whole college student <laughs> is being chastised by his mother for wanting to drink caffeine. Yeah, he wants to drink caffeine in the morning, and it turns out the butler, Jenkins, is enabling him, Oh, gives him his caffeine and his nicotine. <gasps> yeah, mother would be so upset. Mother would be. So this movie was had a little bit of anthology to it because of the like little mini yeah. s- vignettes that happened each time one of the people got sucked into uh, an exhibit. Mm-hmm. Which of the exhibits 
did you find most entertaining or, or, you know, which one did you like best? The one that kept my interest the most was our visit to the werewolf cabin. Mm. And perhaps because it was the first one, but it also seemed like it had the most going on where he was going in there and he, he didn't understand anything about the situation he was in, which I guess none of them did. But since he was the first one, they made it seem more like he didn't understand than the others. Well, because they get pushed into the exhibit and then they become a character yeah. in the exhibit. But they still think they are themselves and everyone else in the in the story yeah. thinks that they are someone. So Tony gets pushed into the exhibit and they're all like, Jack, welcome. Nice to see you. Yeah. And then Jack gets eaten by a werewolf. Yeah, and also shot because he turns into a werewolf. Right. I mean, that's pretty fun, too. So I kind of enjoyed that. But I have to say, that's a tough question because the vampire story had some of the more insanity going on with Charles. Yes. So in that one, China gets pushed in and she like finds herself at a dinner party where all the other guests are clearly vampires. Very clearly. And she is invited to sit down. And I guess it's that she's like, you know, like vampires have the ability to... She's mesmerized. Yeah, yeah. Mesmerize you. So she just like sits down and they offer her a delicacy, (laughs) which is disgusting. It's chunks of meat. It's Alpo. If Alpo were raw. Yeah, it's red Alpo. With a delightful sauce. Oh, uh, IMDb trivia. It was watermelon, strawberries, and rhubarb. Yeah, it looked disgusting. I mean, it sounds pretty good. And so she eats it and then goes off to her room and whatever. There's like other things. And then eventually she finds herself in the basement where her fiance, I mean, not China's fiance, but the fiance of the person China is embodying, Mm -hmm. is tied onto a table and between his knee and his ankle is just bone. <laughs> on one leg. On one leg. Like, he's he's fine. He's talking he and is. communicating with everybody and, like, really upset. I mean, he's in pain, but he's yeah. upset. But he is entirely missing all of the flesh and non-bone pieces of his lower leg. Yeah. My note was that he was taking it very well. He really was. Until a rat came over and started nibbling on the bone, and he was like, oh! Yeah, he didn't like that. <laughs> and then at one point, one of the vampire guys like was trying to get oh, across yeah. him that to attack kind of China, and like flung himself across, and that was clearly... I mean, it would be painful. Yeah, that was really... That vampire trying to get at her, he could not figure out how to get around the table. No. No. Yeah, that one was that one was something else. And then she uses two knives to make a cross and which we learn a cross shoved against a vampire's forehead makes his head explode. Yes, which was particularly gory. And then the vampire ladies were coming after her and one of them got shoved up against a wall of like champagne bottles. Yeah. And so she's like <laughs> impaled because you all know yeah. Champagne bottles on the, you know, the cork end of a champagne bottle is really sharp it's and would go right through a, hum- a vampire body. Yeah, that's not something you really notice in a lot of movies is vampires seem to be very soft, <laughs> very <laughs> low density. You just go right through them. Yeah. Uh, the thing I found most amusing was that once those bottles went through her, the corks all came off. <laughs> yeah. And so she was like spewing champagne from various 
parts, you know, holes in her. Yeah. It was something. Everything about that made perfect sense. Yes. Personally, I don't know that I can say I liked it the most, but one of the ones that stands out to me is the Marquis de Sade one. Yeah, it definitely stands out. Because of how, like, weirdly BDSM erotic it was. Well, and it feels like this movie is real BDSM shaming. Like, yes. Sarah... Who was the totally naive, innocent, yes. like, pure one of the bunch. Who somehow she was, like, just so drawn to the Marquis de Sade that, like, when, when it was just a wax museum, she was just walked up to that exhibit and would just stare. And she was just entirely obsessed. And then when she got in there, she was like, whip me more. Yeah, she was super into the whipping, which, like... Do your thing, Sarah. I don't care. But yeah, super into it, which was weird because it wasn't like there wasn't any of that in any of the rest of the movie. Like this was just the one place where there was this weird eroticism happening. Yeah. I mean, I guess the vampires, but you kind of expect it with vampires. Vampires (laughs) are sex. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Wait. That was for a moment, actually. Yeah. Zombies are lack of loss of control of the middle class and vampires, vampires are, sex. are sex. Yeah. But yeah, it was like it was weirdly out of place. And I totally agree with you. It was trying to make her like it wasn't the Marquis de Sade who was bad for whipping her. It was yeah. her who was bad for wanting to be whipped. Yeah, there was something to that where it just was like, What's wrong with this girl? And and there was even this weird Pulp Fiction moment where they're hanging out totally outside the waxwork. They're in Mark's attic, and she opens up a book mm. she finds about the Marquis de Sade, and it glows at her. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, this book. Mm-hmm. It's very strange, like so obsessed. She couldn't, I mean, I, it was a special awakening for her, but then apparently what she ends up learning is that it's wrong to feel that way and she needs to be rescued by a man. Well, yeah. She didn't want to be rescued, though. Not at all. She she literally wanted to die from it. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. So that one stands out. Like I said, I, I don't know that I can say it's my favorite, but it stands out. Yeah. Perhaps my favorites were the ones where Jonathan went into the Phantom of the Opera exhibit and then we just see him dead in the exhibit as yeah. a wax figure. And we have no idea what happened we in there. We missed the entire thing. Or the entire culmination of the thing. Like all yes. of these different people go in. They try to get their final person. But Mark fights off uh, the Marquis de Sade or whoever. Like he, he saves himself and Sarah because he knows that if you just don't believe, then they don't have any power over you. Right. So he saves them, and oh my gosh, everything is going to be terrible, except James and Gems. James and Gems. Who had, like, bailed way early on, were like, nope, this is too creepy, we're going home. Yeah. They came back and went into the Mar- they went into the Marquis de Sade exhibit, and then, boom, it's done. Like the- and the zombie one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, like, it's, it's the end. It's the pinnacle of what's happening and we don't see it happen it just is like oh now it's over well 
then we do get a fantastical climax to the whole movie, mm. which is Wilfred, who we haven't mentioned at all. Wilfie. Wilfie shows up with an entire army of old people with rakes and torches. Yeah. And they all come storming in, and it's a, just a massive brawl between them and the evil souls of the past, which we all know from history, like the demon baby. Yes. Melee battle. It's insane. And Oh, and Jenkins is there. The of butler. Of course Jenkins the is there. The butler. Where else would up. Jenkins be? Yeah. And Mark gets to fence with the Marquis de Sade. Good thing he's a rich kid who's apparently taken a lot of fencing lessons. Apparently, And um, I have the note at the end that Sarah saves him. So she gets a little bit of a redemptive arc there at the yeah, end. The redemption of BDSM bad. You <laughs> right. are free now. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that yeah. happened. But uh, then there's a great death of the villain, Willy Wonka. Mm. He falls into a vat of hot wax just as you would assume he would in this story like Mm -hmm. what a perfect ending only after he's been in the wax for a few seconds they're all like oh good he's dead he pops back up completely unharmed in any way barely he has like little pieces of wax attached to him but other than that like totally fine nothing even on him he pops up and he's like I don't know what he said, but, you know, hey, I'll get your little dog, too. And then (laughs) falls over backwards into the wax and is dead now. Yeah. It's quite a finale. Quite a finale. So one thing that I noticed was that Sarah being kink-shamed was not the only, like, questionable thing that happened. There was a, for lack of a better word, like a quote-unquote pygmy character yeah was one of came out of one of the exhibits and was like out during the melee battle Mm -hmm. which was very much like that that stereotypical cartoon african character yeah and then earlier on when the cop goes into the mummy's tomb exhibit there is what i think like kind of in the background there's a character who's you know like the the desert equivalent of a Sherpa. I mean, yeah, can't he, think of, he's the you know, guy who guided them into the tomb. Yeah. Clearly. And we, we know that because? Because he is in blackface, basically. Well, well, brown, brown face. face. Yeah. But it was clearly not a brown person mm-hmm. made to look brown. Yep. That was a problem. They also had the Hispanic maid write oh, yes. his 60 pages of essay on dictators. Which turned out to be two pages. Yes. In very questionable broken English. Yeah. Which, fine. Her English skills were better than my Spanish skills are. I'm not <laughs> critiquing her. I'm critiquing the fact that her having broken English was a ha-ha moment. Yeah. Not cool. Oh, and then there in the museum, there was the tiny butler who was a little person and the giant butler who was like a lurch kind of character and you know lots of stuff about that yeah that's a little bit of a trip back to the 80s and their uh level of acceptance yeah and then the fact that that nazi teacher i really (laughs) thought like there was going to be some kind of payoff about how nazis are bad but that never really happened yeah or even if there would just was a Nazi exhibit. Evil souls from history. I think we could probably come up with a Nazi we could put in there. Uh, Maybe one. Yeah. Yeah, no. uh, The fact that, that, like, Chekhov's Nazi never, like, 
showed up again. Yeah, they just, I think the creators of this movie were just like, this is what a college professor sounds like. They're indoctrinating <laughs> kids at college. Uh-huh. This is perfectly normal. This is just a regular class. It was, it was weird. Ratings. So this was not the best movie we've watched all year. Well, not in terms of outright Anything? quality. <laughs> no. No, it was it was the perfect movie for playing movie bingo. It was great. I will say that. Yeah. This is the kind of movie you want. You want something that's ridiculous, that's going to go for all the stupid tropes, that's just going to like wallow around in the things you expect. Yeah. Right? This definitely did that. And it was it was funny in places. Like because it was so just ridiculous. Like it was almost slapstick in its humor. Yeah. And and it was I mean, I think part of that is because it was from the eighties and then it was throwing back a ways. Like it yeah, wasn't it trying was to be a modern eighties movie. Doing universal movie monsters. Yes. So like it was it had its funny moments. But overall, it was like most of the movies in the 80s where it just didn't really hold up. I shouldn't say most of the movies in the 80s. There are some great 80s movies. There are some very great ones. But like when an 80s movie doesn't hold up, it doesn't hold up in a big way. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like it just, they just went all in. If they were the kind of movie that was doing the inappropriate things, they just went all in for inappropriateness. And this one, this one had quite a bit of inappropriateness. Yeah, I mean it it was a B movie with that intent like Yes. It wasn't even like really a comedy. There weren't a lot of jokes. It was just a very intentionally dumb Yes. horror movie. Yeah, it just it just was a it was a kind of humor that I probably sadly would have thought was funny in the 80s mm-hmm. and thankfully in the last 40 years have matured out of a lot of that humor because a lot of it is not funny and probably never was and definitely never was to a lot of people. Yeah. And then sometimes I can give movies more points, even if they had some of that, like from the time period, if there was something else for it. But in this one, like the sets were not good. (laughs) No. The acting was not good. The story wasn't that interesting. There just wasn't anything to it. I mean, it was a definitely a bowl of insanity. Yeah. So I I am going to give Waxwork one inexplicable harmonica player out of five. Yeah. I I just I there, mean it's it a wasn't throwback. it wasn't there wasn't much there. I don't feel like people need to watch this movie. That's true, but I found it a very fun experience, in part because of the movie Bingo, mm-hmm. but because it is so dumb, you know, making fun of that and enjoying the silliness, that was a fun time for me, and I liked that. So it, it was a good a good time. It was a good time. It was a romp. It was definitely a romp. So... For me, I'm going to three inexplicable harmonica mm. players out of five because truly an enjoyable experience. Not a good movie, but that's okay. It's just, it's a good, bad movie. Mm, agree to disagree. No. 
It was a mediocre bad movie. No, we're decide we're going with what I say. <laughs> okay, okay. That's that's in keeping with the whole eighties vibe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got credit for a girl giggles at terrible misogyny in my movie Bingo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that happened real early on, didn't it? Yeah, it was very mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that. Okay, well, thanks for joining us in the 80s, everybody. And we'll be back next week with another fine film. Another fine film? A possibly, <laughs> maybe more fine film. There's Ooh. a chance. Ooh. All right, well, I will see you next time. All right, bye, everybody. Blah, blah, blah. This is all being recorded for posterity, by the way.